and how's we have what? What was I it? said? How's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going good. How's it going with you? <laughs> I woke up this morning, and the president of the United States hadn't tweeted anything moronic. <laughs> so it's 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 going okay. That's a good thing, though. You know, I mean, we're yeah. That's not. You don't have to worry about uh, insane presidential tweets anymore. Um, and uh, we we also have uh, our friend Trev, and you can find him uh, on the Days of Future podcast, X-Men podcast, and his uh, newer podcast, Failure to Franchise. Welcome back, Trev. Hey, thanks for having me. I didn't know we were going to get political right up top. Um, I was, I was worried. I didn't want to turn off any of your Proud Boy listeners, so. I was... <laughs> yeah, they, they, we lost them already. They already turned it off. We've got Bernie Sanders sitting over here too. You just can't see it. Yeah, he's got his mittens on, his legs crossed. Um, this is called what? This is what we call in the biz topical humor. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for, for joining Matt and I. Trev, by the way, uh, we were talking, we did our movie graveyard for episode, uh, for King Kong Lives, which by the way, mm-hmm. so yeah, listeners, keep your eye out, uh, we guested on the movie graveyard podcast and did a King Kong Lives commentary because, uh, that, the world, the demand for that in the world was just way too high and someone had to do it. Um, We've been planning for like two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 we we were we were talking amongst ourselves, and uh, we we all really like uh, what you guys are doing with failure to franchise. Um, it's it's a gr- it's a great show. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, having fun with it, and uh, and someday we'll be doing a, a Godzilla episode of that oh, show. So snap, and um, and yeah. So the idea is, Trev and uh, his friend Chris, uh, they will look at a movie that, for whatever reason, did not spawn a franchise as intended, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, you it, have to add as intended in there, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like, if if Titanic hadn't spawned a franchise, it's like it. Yeah, well, there okay. is sweet Bird and I've seen Titanic too, so I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that um, but true. yeah, we we try to we try to stick to films that uh, were intended to be franchise starters, and for whatever reason, box office uh, fans just not getting into it, or other issues, uh, just it never happened. And we kind of do a deep dive into it and talk about why and then our own thoughts on the film. But yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's, uh, you know, we've only got a few episodes. I mean, we're about, what, 12 or 13 in and we still have a, over 100 more uh, enough list to go. So and as long as Hollywood keeps uh, screwing up, we'll be around for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, it's um, it's a little similar to kind of how we do our this show is it's like it's it's really information heavy which which like every episode i learn something you know like you guys really do do your homework on that stuff so um keep it up i i'm in i'm all i'm in the middle of the spawn episode which is Mm -hmm. something that movie's something that movie is something yeah um so we're here today to talk about batman (laughs) <laughs> mm. <laughs> break the what a, 
What a what a return back for uh, a kaiju podcast. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to talk about the hiatus for just a hot, a hot minute because, well, first of all, it, you can't really blame Bird on that because it's that most of it was me. But like in mid mid October, you know, every every Halloween we throw out like a, an episode a week just to talk about monsters and stuff, and then just life and what work. was the was, last one that we recorded was was it the wolf guy episode <laughs> yeah that that's where Together, matt sounded like he was without me yeah, if, we, you, uh, if you listened if you listened to matt on um, whatever the last one we did was he, <laughs> yeah he the, sounded like he sounded suicidal <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the wolf guy one <laughs> and then tired. and then we did the kitamura one without him and then yeah and then i put out some stuff we had saved and now uh now we're back but but like, the, well, the whole thing was like I, work. I was put on this project for work and was was working like sixty hours a week and weekends and not getting to see my my kiddo as much as I wanted to because I like I, I work in my uh, office in my basement. I come downstairs, I work, I go upstairs for dinner, and then I come back to downstairs and keep working. We had meetings scheduled to like eight o'clock and nine o'clock and stuff, and it was just had to be done but it didn't leave me leave me a lot of free time so the free time i did have I, I wanted to be able to spend it with them and then i mentioned this on the on the podcast before but my wife and i have been uh, foster parents to a little girl for like 15 months and we found out uh, the intention was for me and bird to come back in december but we found out early december that our foster daughter would be going back home with her family and so i just told bird like hey i want to just take the time with her you know kind of say goodbye and all that stuff and the cool thing is like that's how that's how the system is supposed to work. Like it's actually, it's a great thing. She's back home with her family, but for us, it's kind of bittersweet. Cause like, you know, we raised her for 15 months as our own. And like, now she just, she's not here. Um, so that was a really weird transition for the family. But like, I bring all that up. Cause that was just kind of all the crap that happened in the past three months, plus COVID plus all the other shenanigans that 2020 was. Uh, but, but the really awesome thing to come out of, out of the foster, the foster situation is that now, we get to see her like once a week. So her family wants us to be a part of her life. They let us take her every Thursday. And it's just been kind of like a, a really cool thing that happened, but a lot of transition. And I just, I needed a break. And I think I probably was about to like jump off a cliff that one episode, Tom, like <laughs> I just remember <laughs> existing that, that night, like, Oh God, I don't think I can do this right now. Um, but I am happy to be back. Happy to be out recording the episodes we're recording tonight and super happy that Trev and Tom are, or jumping in on this, especially the the Batman one. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. Hey Matt, I, I'm just going to say uh, first of all, congrats on like being uh, you know a good enough human being to do all that. Um, <laughs> but also just like uh, don't never like overly apologize for those kind of hiatuses, especially when it has to do like with real life. As any as any uh, longtime listeners of Days of Future podcast know, Joe and I have taken many unplanned uh, hiatuses and also had a hard time keeping up on our regular schedule very often. And you know these are we we all do this for free. It's a it's just a you know a hobby of ours. So um, I'm sure your listeners understand. Whoa, no, whoa, man, whoa. They, have you have you seen Godzilla you mean fans you mean that? all the checks that bird has been writing me are just bogus <laughs> uh, man I, the the other weird thing is uh today godzilla related news they decided to say that the trailer was coming out but then they put out maybe the world's worst poster i've ever seen for a movie to to announce that the trailer's dropping on sunday it looks like one of those uh you know when the <laughs> You know when when movies hit home video now and they have like the Blu-ray, which is usually like the poster or 
some some other thing and then no they, the bl- the blu-ray is usually like they f- they photoshopped a few images from the movie yeah it's like the like uh like going from like the actually cool new mutants theatrical poster to whatever that monstrosity of a photoshop blu-ray cover is that's <laughs> pretty indicative that. well you know how sometimes... they just they cut that step out on this movie well you know how sometimes <laughs> they uh the dvd cover like they'll put out the blu-ray and the dvd and then the dvd cover is like somehow even worse like that's what the poster is like well it honestly looks like an asylum poster yeah it, it looks like it's the poster for the mockbuster <laughs> yeah the the in and, and, uh you know teal and orange of course because everything also, uh, is teal and orange now can we just like <laughs> as a tagline one will fall so boring um i saw somebody on twitter they like were like come on i got a way better tagline and they uh they edited the poster to just say uh Big lizard, bad monkey. Thought, yeah, that's much better. Um, so yeah, the the, the we the if you want to, I'm sure on, on YouTube or whatever, there's like 20 minute video videos all about that poster or something. Um, oh, and uh, a, a small bit of news that I don't know of of us this group only Trev might actually like even know what i'm talking about or care but uh uh they're remaking prince of space trev i saw something about that i saw like a little thing pop up and i didn't really look into it yeah i, um, I so is that uh, obviously a, a japanese studio is doing that yeah yeah i i don't know much about it other than um it's probably it sounds like it's probably going to be more of a parody or like a wacky comedy because the guy that's, that's doing it a way to go yeah the guy that doing it they have doing it is the guy that did like uh executive koala and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. like calamari wrestler and and stuff like that those are awesome yeah so so anyone hoping for a gritty <laughs> a realistic <laughs> gritty uh christopher nolan version of prince of space will have to wait <laughs> um so we're okay. yes we're we imagine are in, the uh, Oh, the gritty version of, I was just going to say, imagine the gritty version of Crankor, the the, uh, the villain from Prince of Space. <laughs> um, one day maybe we'll we'll talk about Prince of Space. That's still one of the be- my favorite uh, mystery science theater episodes. It's a good one. So I knew you would know it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Batman. WTF. Uh, <laughs> so so we're <laughs> so we're going to talk about Batman, um, specifically some more, I guess, Japanese influenced Batman stuff. Because why not? Um, in fact, this is something that Matt and I actually had on our like list of like you know potential podcasts to do for for a while now. Uh, it, it just so happened that Trev kind of escalated it above the chain into something like that we were like okay let's let's record it but the a couple of years ago i think at this point we we talked about doing this i think it was when because we're talking about batman ninja primarily we're also going to touch on uh the very uh anime kaiju influenced batman unlimited mechs versus mutants or whatever i think that's what it's called but I, yeah. I i think it was when tom watched batman ninja for the first time which tom what was that was that like two years ago or something probably at this point yeah, yeah. and I, I just remember you being like it's insane there's giant robots and and 
like uh, big giant monkey things and i and i was like huh okay and then like i remember talking to matt like yeah maybe we'll do a batman episode at some point like maybe when the next batman movie comes out and this is when the batman would have come out like <laughs> you know however many years like however long ago that was we're like oh maybe we'll do it then but you know who who knows when uh i think i think it's supposed to come out in august or something but i don't know who knows anymore no right now the batman is slated for march of 2022 okay yeah so that's like way further than what i thought mm-hmm. so yeah so so yeah then then um trev what's your story i think you just saw it cheap on amazon and pulled the trigger well, I- yeah, it was, uh, to give credit where credit's due, this this does all come back to Tom, because Tom was the first one to watch it in this group, and he told us all how great it was, and it was the kind of thing where Tom and I kind of go back and forth in this and, um, in our group thread about always kind of monitoring those DC animated Blu-rays, because it seems like all of them have a certain point where they suddenly go down below $10 on Amazon. They'll just suddenly be like, hey, this one's only like 9 right now, or 8 They just do these like crazy sales. And that was one where I remember Tom telling us, hey, if this one ever goes cheap, you guys need to get it because this one's crazy. So I was always looking for that. And it just took a while for this one to hit that price. And then finally it did. And uh, I watched it and and, uh, he wasn't lying. And then as soon as I watched it, I was like, guys, we need to do this episode now. (laughs) Yeah. And and then, yeah. So then Trev was like, okay, that was nuts. Oh, by the way, the the the, the Blu-ray right now on Amazon is $6.96. Yeah, well, I was going to say, too, like, the, the other part of that story, though, is that I waited all that time for it to get cheap. Finally got cheap, I bought it. And then, like, a month later, I got HBO Max, and it's just on there anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Trev, uh, he wiped the blood off his nose, and he was like, guys, that was insane. Would you guys ever do an episode? And we were like, as a matter of fact, it's on the docket for us. And then we were like, okay, let's get it. Let's get it started. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, and I mean, you know, Batman is popular everywhere, including Japan. Um, yeah, Batman has a has a little bit of a history in Japan. And um, some of our friends told us we should at least mention this, that uh, you can you can read more about this in Bat Manga. It's a book that collects all of the mangas that were that were is mangas correct? Is that I think is, manga is still the plural? Okay, um, but all it collects all the manga and a bunch of photographs and stuff. Um, and um, I think there's like even books that were written about it too. Um, but basically, like yeah, in the <clears throat> in the '60s, when the Batman TV series with Adam West was on. It created a Batman craze everywhere, and that included Japan. Um, it's it's funny because a lot of people like to, you know, sneer at the show or watch it for ironic enjoyment. Which I mean, that's that's like how I watch it. That's it's like how it's for, meant to be watched. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like it it saved the Batman franchise. I think is the thing that a lot of people don't really realize is that the the comics were not selling well at the time and. This came out and sort of revitalized the popularity of the character, and that kind of because it was TV, and you know, I guess maybe it's like easier to translate than than you know comics necessarily. Um, it got ported over to Japan, and that became popular there too. And so it created this little like I think it was about like eighteen month um, kind of 
blitz of Batman popularity in Japan that then that was enough to sort of anchor the character in Japan. And, you know, we've, over the years then we've gotten more modern manga um, and and that ultimately kind of leads to the the Batman Ninja movie. Yeah, they even mentioned the 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 manga and the the special features on the on the Blu-ray. So I I guess, you know, as far as manga and stuff goes, that that was pretty influential. That that it's interesting that uh I got I, I don't know that they do it anymore. If they do, they don't do it as often, but Back then, a lot of like popular American comics, the Japanese would, you know, they'd have the license or whatever, and they would just write their own Japanese comics. The, you know, they weren't um, that that wouldn't be translations of the American stuff. Like uh, we talked on the Wolf Guy episode, the the creator of Wolf Guy. You know, when he was writing that, he was also writing the Japanese Spider-Man comic, and that's why, like, the wolf guy was in high school. Like, he brought in a lot of stuff from that. So I I don't know that that happens much anymore. But, yeah, it was similar with Batman. You know, these weren't just translations of the American comics, although I'm sure that existed, too. It was like these were original stories from Japanese writers, Japanese artists. Yeah, I've read some of it because uh, I think it was um, after that Bat Manga book came out. Um, DC actually did start publishing some trades of the uh, the Bat, the actual Bat Manga that um, I believe it was Jiro Kawada did, and uh, they were pretty cool. Like it definitely has the look of like I mean, it's obviously like a '60s '70s uh, <laughs> manga look to it, but it also is clearly bringing in the the look of the '60s show. And I remember many of the villains being like completely original villains in that. Yeah. Um... And uh, stuff like, you know, they even had the Japanese Spider-Man TV series. Uh, but <clears throat> during that bat boom, actually, the they tried to get a Batman versus Godzilla movie off the ground. I don't know. I don't know if Trev knows. <laughs> Trev, I don't know if you know this, but it, w- it was, it was going to be, like, part co-production with, like, the guys that did the Adam West show. So, like, you know, Toho... Their sc- one of their main screenwriters, Shinichi Sekizawa, I don't know if he translated a script from an American writer or if he did a pass on it or what, but uh, but yeah, it was going to have something to do with Batman uh, being in Japan and the villain would have like a device that controls Godzilla and uh, he would, and, and at some point Godzilla like uh he like has a crush on batgirl and that gives batman the idea to create a like a godzilla mating call to like lure him away it would it would have been insane uh especially to see like adam west and burt ward <laughs> in a godzilla like kaiju movie uh somehow that kind of makes i can picture that at least in terms of like art direction like what mm-hmm. it would look like um but yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things where it just it didn't happen because uh, you wouldn't really know it because of the show's notoriety. But I, I think kind of like what Tom said, like that boom, it lasted like eighteen months. <laughs> like that show, it became the biggest thing in the world and like plummeted really quick. Yeah, I mean, even here, like even in the states, it was like it came out in '66, and by '68, it was done. But um. 
but yeah, also, I mean, I, I, like you said, I can see that aesthetically. I can see those two worlds merging. But it also, I wonder how often Toho has an, like, an idea like that, but then like really never goes through with any of them. Because ultimately, I, it's strange to think of them ever letting Godzilla cross over with any other like IP. Yeah, well, they they're, they're way control, more. You know? Yeah, they're way more strict about that now. I mean, King Kong. I mean, that's like the their. That's like been their wish list to get another Godzilla Kong movie made, like since forever and so you know it just so happens that you know once a major hollywood studio was involved they could make that happen but um but yeah back then i think it was just still kind of a newer idea you know godzilla as an ip only had probably at the time we're talking probably five movies or something and um and i think they were probably i mean king kong versus godzilla was ridiculously huge so I, i think they were looking for something that they could uh you know kind of get that 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 kind of massive crossover surge with again and you know it's always fun to think about those what ifs right like if that had happened would that have sent godzilla on a trajectory to just forever be like a crossover kind of property like (laughs) now we have godzilla fight yeah um i know i well the creator of the batman series i don't know how to say his name william dozier 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 yeah. yeah um his uh like i guess his, those the the treatment for that godzilla versus batman is like it's in whatever university has like his archives or whatever like and uh so like i i think you can you can uh like ask them for it if you want to read it but um but yeah i mean there's at this point there's articles online and stuff but um so yeah you know batman batman has uh <clears throat> had plenty of of fame and and uh good fortune in in japan um so uh i don't know i i guess we'll we'll start with the batman unlimited thing just because it probably won't take too much time um does that sound good with everybody uh, sure yeah yeah okay so um batman unlimited mechs versus mutants this is technically the third in uh a trilogy of animated movies that if you if you don't know what batman unlimited means it's a toy line and it's basically just a bunch of crazy batman things that sometimes don't just seem like they took an idea and stamped batman on it (laughs) um but I guess it's I mean that's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's for really young kids, you know, because it's uh it's there to sell toys, you know, it's like a the Transformers thing where it's like, here's some toys, here you make a thing about it. Um This one specifically though leans very much into you know, the anime and giant robots and, and kaiju uh genres and kind of does its own thing with it um so you know it's 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 very like uh like it has a lot of i i this 2016 so i i I doubt it was like a specific let's be like pacific rim thing so i i think it was just like hey kids love giant robots and giant monsters so here um so uh Uh, I, well, to 
get me i don't know what's going to be harder doing this just because my memory or doing batman ninja because it's batman ninja batman ninja harder. <laughs> well, i'll do this one <laughs> okay yeah you do you do this one so all right this one this one's not too i mean it's not it's very simple yeah it's not complicated yeah so um Damien is the new Robin, which, um, if you're unfamiliar with the comics, and I very much am unfamiliar, all I know is that he's like the child of Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised so he by becomes... the, the 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 League of Assassins, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So he becomes the new Robin, you know, sometime after uh, Dick has left, and uh, Jason Todd has been killed, and well, Jason Todd's back now, man. Tim Drake was the the Robin before Damien. Yeah, and then Tim Drake becomes what, like Red Robin or Red something. Red Robin. Yep. Yeah. So, um, he's he's the new Robin, and he's kind of upset because he's like you know has had some has had some growing pains with being Robin. He got tricked by Joker to jump off a building, and um, it was caught by like a YouTuber and put on YouTube. So he's he's pretty upset and. You know, Batman is not the most comforting mentor. Um, so he's trying to learn all of Batman's rogues. Meanwhile, uh, as he's researching the Penguin, uh, and he's like, hey, I've never seen this guy before. Batman's like, oh, the Penguin. And we go over to the Penguin, who's in the Arctic. Um, apparently, it says following the events of the first of these movies. But, I mean, you don't really need that so much. You're just like, oh, Penguin has basically been exiled to the Arctic by Batman. Um, and he's he's roommates with Mr. Freeze. And Did Mr. I say Freeze, why they're roommates? I just assumed they were, like, both exiled there. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, like, did Mr. Freeze have, like, an ad, like, look, <laughs> roommate wanted? <laughs> I, it's weird. It, well... You could say they're both exiled there, but Mr. Freeze's exile certainly seems a little bit more self-imposed. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like, I just want to be left alone. Like, I want people to just leave me the damn hell ass alone. And uh, oil drillers start drilling near his cave, and he's like, I'm going to get them. So he creates this thing that'll mutate a tiny isopod into a monster and attack them. Um, it doesn't quite work out, but it kind of gives him the idea and gives Penguin the idea of like, hey, we could, uh, you know, we could we could work with this. You Don't know, they could, shoot the isopod with like a maser cannon looking thing that makes it shrink? Yeah, and it knocks this like headgear off that causes it to shrink back down. And um, but Penguin is like, listen, we I I've got an idea. So uh, Penguin and uh, Mr. Freeze go back to Gotham. They break into Arkham, and they break out Bane, Killer Croc, Clayface, and Kemo. Is it Kemo? Yeah, I don't Kemo? know who that. I didn't. I didn't know who that or was. Kemo, yeah, I guess it was Kemo. Um, should, should I know who he's Kemo? He's like a minor is? villain. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I mean, he's like I, I knew him from the comics, but he's you know just from like a few appearances. Yeah. So they 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 break them out, and while they're breaking them out, Batman. Robin and the Green Arrow arrive, but they're kind of thwarted at first. And at the Batcave, Batman's like, "What are these? What do these guys have in common? Like their MOs are totally different. Their character, their their criminal histories are totally different." Some of them and Robin hate each is other. Like, what's that? I said some of them hate each other. Oh yeah, yeah. 
And Robin is just like, I don't know, like they're all big, strong dudes. And Batman is kind of like, oh, I didn't think of anything so stupid as that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, what he actually figures out is that they all have, they're, 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 they're all like, um, they're chemically all, they're, altered. Yes, chemically yes. altered. Their DNA has all been chemically altered. Right. Um, and so they, they we kind of get an idea of what they're planning, right? Because we've seen this giant isopod and yet lo and behold, they, they being uh, penguin and freeze are making a giant version of, uh, starts off as just being killer croc. They just want to make killer croc giant because <clears throat> he's got the right DNA to be made giant. Um, for whatever reason, uh, penguin is trying to like basically double cross freeze makes the other guys Bane and Clayface giant also. Um, and Freeze's plan is to freeze Gotham, freeze the whole world, basically kind of just kill everyone and make the world like this frozen Iceland where he can just live in peace and quiet. Um, and Batman and Green Arrow luckily have uh, recently commissioned Dr. Langstrom, who uh, people might know as Man Bat, but, you know, he's human in this um they've recently commissioned him to make them giant mechs giant jaegers basically um lucky coincidence and so they have to fight against this team of bad guys who are also kind of fighting in against each other uh and um you know along the way robin is trying to kind of prove that he belongs as well I love the reveal um, when Batman goes to Langstrom and is like, and telling Green Arrow, like, yeah, I had him work on this project for me. And he revealed this giant bat mech. And Green Arrow's like, oh, I got a secret. Uh, he's been working on the same thing for me. And Batman basically just turns around and the Green Arrow mech is like right next to it. <laughs> like, he wouldn't have, like he wouldn't have noticed that when he walked in. <clears throat> it's that kind of movie, folks. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird because... It's not good. It's not good at all. No. Right? It's it's an hour and ten minute long toy commercial. But, like, Very if I so, were yeah. an eight-year-old kid... I, I mean, I was an eight-year-old kid who grew up watching the animated series, right? And, like, w- at that age, I was, like, a monster-obsessed kid. And my favorite episodes were always the ones with Croc and Clayface and uh, Man Bat. And I even really liked the werewolf one. Um, which I'll still kind of go to bat for that one a little bit, just the novelty of seeing Batman fight a werewolf, right? But um, it's a weaker episode. But, you know, as if I was like that age again, seeing Bane and Croc and Clayface and this other giant gloopy guy all like lined up together, that alone would would get me thinking it was cool. Yeah, just the piggyback off that i actually watched this with landon who's gonna be he'll be seven this year and like he was glued yeah yeah so time. you you Super watched stoked. it with the the uh, the appropriate audience while we just watched <laughs> it you know by ourselves or whatever no he he had i mean he was like he was really into it actually and i, I for that reason alone like i think this movie succeeds in what it wants to it is pretty brief and I, I I mean may not be good by any means, but the action was pretty fun. It's one of those things like, where like I I agree with what you said. Like it's one it, it's one of those things where for like a kid Landon's age, like it's 
I don't know how it couldn't work, you know? <laughs> you know, I, whatever the marketing, the calculated marketing people behind this were doing, I think did that very well. But yeah, I mean, as an adult, uh, in, as a movie, I'm just like, eh, you know, it, it's not god-awful the worst, but it's definitely <laughs> working for the people that it's made to work for. I mean, I'll come in on the slight naysayer on that element, though, because, I mean, I, I, I not that I disagree, I obviously agree with you guys that, yes, this seems like it would work for a younger audience, but I think of that meme, right, that we all know, like the why not both meme, and, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the Batman the Animated Series, which, we're, which we all love, like that also works well for a seven or eight-year-old, but also can be enjoyed by older people. So there's mm-hmm. just something that, to me, that strikes me as... I mean, sure, you can say, like, this is just made for a particular audience, but that's also, when I watch it, just what makes it so lazy and, and uninvolving. And, geez, for only 72 minutes, I felt like this thing was, like, three hours as I was watching it. Like, it just felt, like, so interminable when you get to just, like, the, the like second half is just nothing but these battles. And I guess I agree the animation was okay, but I didn't think it was ever exciting enough that I felt pulled in on even, like oh, this animation is cool level. And so really just, and then like, I don't know, I, I, now I'm being probably pedantic and overly picky, but this is like a really neutered version of Damien. Like I've never seen Damien presented this way. Uh, and normally the whole thing with Damien in the comics and in other media adaptations is because he was raised to be a villain, because he was actually raised to kill his dad. You know, he's got this like real chip on his shoulder and he's like a real kind of juvenile delinquent version of Robin. And this, as you said, he's just kind of like, oh, I'm a bad Robin. And I, <laughs> I couldn't even tell, like, did they ever even say in this if Batman is his father? Like, I'm not even sure that's ever made no. clear, yeah. No. Well, well oh. I, we have a commonality because Batman Ninja, Damien is like, <laughs> I don't know what he is. <laughs> well, but, but see that, but I, I, yes, I agree, but like Batman Ninja is like so insane that, I mean, well, I mean, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, I'm sure. But yeah, so it's, again, like, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. Like, I, if maybe if I was like eight, I'd be like really into this. But I still think it's like disappointing, especially coming from still like the director is Kurt Gaeta, who is good. Like he's worked on um, he did know, Batman a lot Beyond. Of the, and, he did a lot of the yeah. He did a lot of the the Bruce Tim. Yeah, stuff, he's worked right? on X Men, Batman Beyond. Uh, he worked yeah, he's worked on Superman, Batman series. Yeah, Superman, yeah. Um, and even like some Scooby Doo stuff. But when I was watching this, it just felt like a lot of these a lot of these DC animated things. You can tell that the people involved really care about these characters and feel like really passionate about telling good stories. And this one didn't strike me that way. This felt like product, and like I, I'm not sure anyone involved is looking at it as anything more. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that comes across watching it. I think that I don't disagree. Uh, yeah, I, I don't either. I think that last part is definitely true. In that, like, I mean. It it was made to Mr. sell Freeze toys. Has like and, fifteen outfits. Yeah, it was made to sell toys, and it feels like it was made to, <laughs> to sell toys. Mm-hmm. But I also did, see did the you the feel like. Good. I was going to say, did you, did you guys feel like when the when they start introducing the mechs, and especially when Batman's mech comes into the city, like I swear to God, that was the Pacific Rim theme playing. Like it sounded like it was lifted directly from the movie. I don't remember any of the music in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, I guess. I, have, I mean, I watched it yesterday, so like it's kind of fresh in my mind. But yeah. I just, you know, everything about it was Pacific Rim, Batman style, and but but I just the, the music stuck out to me because I'm like, man, I can't believe like there's like a riff in that song that comes straight from Pacific Rim, the main theme. I thought. I also made the mistake while I was watching it of looking up the the voice actors, and I, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't do that. I feel but like I know because, what you're gonna say. 
Well, because while I was watching it, I found out that Dana Snyder was the yeah, voice of yeah. Penguin. <laughs> I couldn't not hear Master Shake. I, like, I every knew time. you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I looked at the credits, like, I don't know, a little while after I'd watched it. And then mm-hmm. I saw that he was the penguin. Like, I'd completely forgotten what the penguin even sounded like in this thing. And then I, I saw that, and, I, it, like, his voice just came back to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he, that, was, <laughs> that was Master Shake as the penguin. Um, and I guess John DiMaggio was Killer Croc. He's a uh, bender, right? Futurama? Yeah. I mean, he. If you're watching an animated project of the last like 20 years, chances yeah. are very good. John DiMaggio is in there. Um, I will say, I just it is a weird version of Damien, and that you know, yeah, he he's he's usually like a much, I guess, grittier, darker character. But mm-hmm. the that storyline is probably the best stuff in it. The whole like you know trying to get Batman to be a less shitty mentor like you know that that's probably the stuff that i i liked the most and uh um, i'd say i'd say that or like i mean if i'm gonna give this movie any credit i suppose mr freeze kind of realizing what he's doing is wrong and coming around at the end felt in character for that you yeah. know for what we know of mr freeze so yeah uh he even though there's no real reason for him to be in it i you know the green arrow be was kind of fun in this too i thought yeah, that would be that was kind of what I was gonna say is like one of my highlights is just yeah, there's there is no reason for him to be here, but like him just constantly popping in and Batman just constantly being like just pissed off at his existence. <laughs> um that and Flash. Like Flash shows up and Nightwing is like, dude, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good thing about Flash as a character, right? Because he is just so goofy, you can always have everyone just be like, Oh jeez. You know, you can you can play him very comedically and at least they get that right here. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I I can I also I do I totally get the the other side of it too. Like, if you're a kid that likes Batman and Godzilla, like seeing a giant killer croc walk around shooting like blue a blue breath weapon, I mean, is probably pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty um, that's pretty blatant, especially with the uh, design for croc they're using in this yeah, movie. You look just like Godzilla '98. <laughs> Um, but yeah, granted, uh, granted it's freezing stuff, but still, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, still, giant lizard, blue breath, you know, it's Godzilla. He's got spikes on his back, like, um, yeah, and and I don't know, the animation's fine, but you know, I it, you know, this was probably a pretty low budget affair, I would think. Mm-hmm. It's a toy commercial. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah, I don't know if 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 it sounds like we're struggling at this point to find stuff to say. It's probably because it it is it is it's an hour and fifteen minute toy like that. That's a, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's because it's 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 mostly impossible to remember unless we watched it right before we recorded, and none of us did. So yeah, yeah. Like once um, you get any kind of distance from this, it just evaporates. From I, well, no, you guys, I mean, I I watched it like two days ago, and you guys said all there is to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I I actually watched this. I probably watched this like I watched this twice, and I and it didn't stick in my head either time. The first time was when it was on Netflix 
and um, I was putting Julia to bed, and we we just picked something off of Netflix, and it was this, and we fell asleep. Like, you know, it was bedtime. We usually put some on at bedtime. We fell asleep halfway through. Then we watched the other half the next day, and uh, I didn't remember. <laughs> and Then I watched it again for this, and I still didn't remember it that well so um, i will say the one the one thing that is like it is a little like it's a little weird that they pick this character that nobody knows that nobody knows his powers and abilities this chemo because like he's not a batman villain either in the comics he's typically a superman villain yeah and he like i thought he was like all gloopy but then like batman punches him when he's in his mech form and he's got like a He's like an M M&M, and M, like he's got a crusty outer shell. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, though, you say it's weird that they picked him, but let's face it—they clearly picked these characters based on who would look cool as a toy. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's, he's just got yeah. an interesting look, you know. I, I guess it's it's just weird you pick a character that, like, I mean, Batman's got a lot of other cool-looking toy rogues that are also like mutants or monsters or something that, like, people know they're. <laughs> powers and abilities and weaknesses and strengths like what if they just bypassed the chemically altered dna thing and they just had mr zazz in this and they made a giant serial killer <laughs> in this movie for eight-year-olds i will say when uh when when hush shows up in the prison i was like whoa that's a, a dark character to be in the <laughs> toy commercial <laughs> also like shame on them for having langstrom be a character in this and not giving us a giant man bat yeah what's that all about they're jerks. <laughs> um, well, that's mechs versus mutants, folks. Uh, you guys ready to do uh, uh, ratings? Yeah. What's even a good like rating scale for this? How many? Sad Damien's. I don't know. He was pretty sad during the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how many? Yeah, I got. I don't know. What? Someone help me. What? <laughs> Tom, what's a good rating scale for this? Uh, how many blatant Godzilla ripoffs? Sure. Um, that seems appropriate. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go with a two and a half. I, I think. People that it's made for, the age group that it's made for, is probably going to get a kick out of it. Um, you know, it's it's competently done enough that it's not like this is the worst thing ever. You know, but uh, but yeah, it, it has no meat on it. It's it's literally a toy commercial, and you know, I I, I can give it points because I, I can see it working as intended, but. You know, it's it's one of those things that I look at, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's just not for me. I'm tempted to give it a one because I just realized they could have done instead of chemo, they could have done poison ivy and given us a attack of the fifty foot woman homage with poison ivy, mm-hmm. um, and that's a missed opportunity right there. But no. <laughs> I'll I'll give it yeah I'm with you I'm I'm at a two and a half I was fine watching it I I didn't you know I'll say unlike Trev I didn't necessarily feel the length of it I I thought it was fine I thought it moved briskly enough and everything uh, and then it was over and you know I moved on with my life 
Uh, I'll go next since uh, Matt actually has the the kid who can speak to this. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm going to go one and a half. I, I really didn't like this. It really bummed me out. And that's the thing. It's like, even though I don't disagree with what you guys are saying about the target audience, you know, sometimes as an adult, you have to do the right thing and step in. And kids don't know any better. And <laughs> yes, you could show them. You could show them this, but you could also show them so many better Batman cartoons that they'll still like that aren't this stupid and aren't this like cynically crass in terms of just being commerce over art. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I don't no. disagree with your <laughs> with your critique. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be the lone to center and give it a three. Uh, it, it's short enough to where like I didn't regret watching it for myself, but just seeing Landon enjoy it the way that he did, like I'm like okay, well it it succeeded in that. Um, and like giant mechs, giant Godzilla stand-ins, it's fun enough to where like I I didn't hate life watching it, and I, I think it accomplishes. Exactly what it wants to in a short time, which is try to sell you toys, but do it, you know. And I think the lone criticism that I have is just, like, if you're looking for something with any sort of substance, like, no, this doesn't have that. Um, but if you're looking for something that's just like, okay, I'm going to throw this on and be brain dead for the next hour, then, yeah, it's a fun time and, and fun enough to where, like, I think you can enjoy it. And I'm a little biased because I do think, you know, seeing Landon react to it the way that he did, like, he was just kind of enamored with it. It, it may be clouding my judgment some, but... Um, I'm going to go with the three. Trev, the guy that plays Garcia on Reno, Reno 911 is the voice of Bane. Yeah, he's another uh, pretty... I mean, he does a lot of voice work. And I guess he also was Bane in Justice League Doom. I can't remember. Bane has such little dialogue in this. Was this Was this default... Um, it wasn't was a Tom Hardy one. Yeah, no. Yeah. It wasn't a Tom Hardy uh, impression, although I'm I'm very pleased that both the Lego Batman movie and the Harley Quinn show <laughs> do the uh, 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 the Tom Hardy voice. They seem to be defaulting to that now, huh? Because like for a yeah. while, it was definitely like every Bane we got in comics was or in cartoons was more going off that like the luchador kind of voice that they did in the original animated series, and now we're uh, Tom Hardy's performance is just so iconic it's kind of like everyone expects that now i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah i have this credit cards reckoning <laughs> yeah no he's uh, he's great yeah, on that harley shows quinn. Great. yeah no if anyone listening hasn't watched the harley quinn animated series yeah just... matt show landon that uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not he's not quite there yet yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> That that's what that's that that's for real one of my favorite Batman related anything's uh <laughs> since since the Dark Knight probably it's excellent. But let's get to the main attraction here people. Enough screwing around with toy commercials and and uh whatever but 2018 Batman Ninja um, I, where to even start, but, uh, so this is one of the, the straight-to-video animated DC movies, which they've been doing for years now, um, and, uh, it's an authentic Japanese production, and in, in which Warner Brothers, <coughs> um, went to, um, uh, a Japanese anime uh, studio. Um, uh, in this case, um, they got uh, a lot of the team from uh, Afro Samurai, um, the the character designer, um, 
what's his uh Takashi Okazaki uh mm-hmm. I think yeah he's he's pretty well known here in the states for you know Afro Samurai um the 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 animation studio Kamikaze Doga um so they and and they pretty much just said you know make a Batman anime and so they they rounded up these guys um uh <clears throat> it's directed by um Junpei Mizusaki and uh written by Kazuki Nakashima who um who he is pretty prolific um he's done uh Gurren Lagann Kill la Kill um he's written a bunch he's even with some tokusatsu stuff he's written a bunch of Kamen Rider stuff um some Sentai stuff um and from what I understand, Warner Brothers were just like, here, you know, do your thing, and and they would send them, you know, progress reports, and they'd be like, oh, they're doing this. It, it sounds like they were pretty much just let them go at it and go nuts. Um, yeah, this really sounds like kind of the best case scenario you can get from a, a studio, like, loaning out one of their characters, and that, like you said, on the, on the Blu-rays, on the Blu-ray extras, they have that uh, Comic-Con panel where they speak to the creative team. And that's, that's basically what they confirm is that Warner brothers just wanted them to do like their version of Batman. They weren't stepping in and, and saying, no, you got to do this. And, and they were really, they were really left to it. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, it, it has a unique look to it. Like, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, what Oka, Oka, I keep forgetting this guy's name. Okazaki. Yeah, yeah. His style is different from a lot of anime. Like, you know, he takes a lot of, you know, cues from, you know, things like graffiti and hip-hop culture and uh, and stuff like that. And then uh, they, yeah, they, they just let them go nuts. And so what we get is Batman in period Japan. We get giant robots. We get you know, monkeys and bats coming together to form giant creatures. We have uh, just uh, something that that we're just like every five minutes, something absolutely bananas is happening. Um, Does anyone want to attempt the plot (laughs) breakdown? I mean, I can can attempt it. I'm definitely not going to do a scene by scene breakdown because good Lord. But I mean, in terms of just like a, (laughs) a cliff notes version of this essentially what so the movie starts in media res with you know you're kind of instantly thrust into batman fighting gorilla grod at arkham asylum and gorilla grod has created some kind of machine and he's attempting to turn it on and batman is there trying to stop him and we realize that also catwoman and the rest of the bat family are there as well and in the fight batman kind of gets knocked out of arkham uh through a window right as the machine gets set off and the machine basically you know, Arkham and everyone inside it and Batman are kind of caught in this giant bubble and the whole place just disappears. And when Batman comes to, he is suddenly in feudal Japan. Uh, he's instantly attacked by samurai wearing masks that seem to bear the likeness of the Joker. Uh, he's obviously very confused, fights them off, uh, tries to make his escape. We get our first really pretty good joke here. When I, I love when he pulls out the... Uh, his uh you know grappling hook and he has no large buildings to yeah. shoot it to, towards he just has to kind of run off down the alley um but anyway so he takes he kind of makes his escape and then he meets up with uh catwoman who uh reveals to him that 
everyone in Arkham and like the rest of the Bat family and her, Gorilla Grodd, all the villains, they ended up in Japan uh, two uh, years ago. They've been there for two years. And because he was a little further out from the, the shockwave, he arrived uh, two years after all of them. And what he discovers is that in the time that uh, he hasn't been there, uh, his some of his major villains have basically become feudal crime lords, and they've kind of divvied Japan up into various regions. So you have um, Joker and Harley Quinn controlling one area from their uh, Arkham Castle. You have Penguin controlling uh, an area from the Birdman Castle. You have Poison Ivy controlling a section from the Poison Tree Castle. You have Deathstroke controlling an area from the Cannon Fire Castle. And then Two Face controlling an area from the Two Face Castle. <laughs> so he's not very he's not very creative, I suppose. Um, so Batman obviously tries to instantly you know get back involved, and uh, he goes right after Joker. Um, and in doing so, kind of suffers his first defeat when Joker unveils that he also has a sumo version of Bane working for him. Uh, Batman is thankfully saved at the last minute by the rest of the Bat family, who discovers that, like you said, you know, in the two years that they've been waiting for him. They've actually teamed up with a clan of ninjas called the, uh, the, the Haida Bat Clan, who, conveniently enough, have an old prophecy that someday a man wearing a bat mask will come and help them free Japan from all the evil there. So they now look at Batman as their, their savior and their, and their mentor. And so Batman, Nightwing, uh, Red Hood, Robin, and Red Robin uh, all have to team up with this, this band of ninjas and uh, take out the lords, and, and you know, and we'll get into like more specific stuff. But that's kind of like the basic version of the story. Like in the meantime, you get you know, obviously, Gorilla Grodd gets back involved. Uh, you know, there's some b- betrayals upon betrayals from Catwoman, as you would s- expect from that character. Um, an interesting deviation about halfway through with Joker and Harley Quinn. But I'm, I'm assuming we'll just talk about all these things as we talk about them, because to try and go through this scene by scene would, is is madness. Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably just more fun to just talk about it as a as a whole. Yeah, this movie has, it feels like, 15 climaxes. <laughs> I mean, that's right. When I, when I first watched it, I think, what, I, I think one of the first things I said to you guys was, or maybe I just said this in my review, but, so like, you know, when you, like, I'm a, I, I do like quite a few of these DC animated movies. They're not all great. Some of them are not, are really actually kind of bad, but often they're at least entertaining, and some of them are real home runs. But the one thing I'll say is, like, most of them end with, like, a really cool, like, last you know, 10 or 15 minutes, a good action climax. This one is just like a string of those, like from the beginning. It's just like action climax after action climax. Like at any point in this movie, you feel like you're in would be the end of another one of these. It's just nonstop. Yeah, whether it's whether it's the outright beginning, which is, you know, designed to kind of have that feeling, <laughs> or uh, Batman driving his Batmobile up switchbacks to Joker's castle, like just mowing down cannons feudal cannons along the way like that feels and then there's batman fighting the the castle when its arms pop out and mm-hmm. and sumo bane and like <laughs> bane this just is like pops in the first out of, he literally just pops movie. out of nowhere and yeah he's like a fat sumo wrestler and he just kind of enters the movie <laughs> very abruptly and exits yeah, <laughs> he's only there for like thirty seconds. Oh, there's also the crazy like uh, high seas battle that they have. Yeah, that might be my favorite like act, like action sequence actually. It's it's insane. Like it, you you can feel your brain liquefying 
while you're watching this movie. Well, and we're just talking, and like, we're talking about the overall stuff about how, like, oh, it's just so insane because these, like, bigger concept ideas, right? Like, oh, it's a weird concept, and there's crazy action scenes, and we're not even getting into... They're just clearly having so much fun with this, and, like, the, the smaller things that are insane, like the, the period where, um, you know... That, like the villains are all like looking for Batman, so he has to go undercover, uh, you know, and pose as he decides to pose as a Christian uh, missionary. He says, "Oh, uh, Christian missionaries were all around feudal Japan at this time." So he shaves his head into a, a monk haircut, but for some reason he shaves a bat symbol into the top part of his head. <laughs> into the top of it. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why as did if, he do as that? If that doesn't give away who he is. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why would he do that? There's well, we there's also the the part in the middle of the movie Trev referenced of uh, that's like a, a wild kind of concept, um, where is it is it after the is it after, after the, the battle on the explosion. on the river? Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about is, when uh, Red Hood finds Joker and Harley on the farm? Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. It's and it, it goes to this style that's very much like uh, you know watercolor, almost like watercolor paintings. Yeah, it reminded yep. that at that point the animation really reminded me of some of the um, this the anime sequences from Kill Bill. Yeah, kind of has like that. Yeah, and everyone everyone wears fairly normal clothes, you know, when they're when they're settling. Except Red Hood's hood is now like a, a, a traditional Japanese lantern. Um, um, from what I understand, that's supposed to be some kind of Buddhist, uh, uh, like basket kind of thing that they'd wear over their heads um yeah i just yeah i googled uh buddhist yeah it's called a kamuso but yeah it's like this basket like helmet that i guess buddhist monks and catwoman has been redesigned into a total waifu oh yeah (laughs) 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 yeah yeah no catwoman is definitely she has anime girl proportions I'll say. That said, though, that said, though, in terms of like all like the redesigns in this, I really like the Catwoman one. I think the costume, like, yes, I mean, obviously the proportions are what they are because it's anime. But I thought like her costume in this was awesome. I yeah, really liked the, the, the look of yeah, her. Her mask is is, mm-hmm. is neat. Um, <clears throat> we should say we should say more about that Red Hood scene because it is really cool. Like it's uh you know and it, and it's very in character. This is what this I mean. Like I said, these are definitely creators who know these characters and know the mythology. Because uh, this seems just very interesting, but it's also so in character for Red Hood. Um, so Red Hood is obviously, for those who don't know, is Jason Todd, who, when he was Robin, he was murdered by the Joker. And then years later, they, they brought him back. Um, if you want to know the whole story behind that, there's actually a great animated movie they made of that one called Under the Red Hood that kind of gives the story. Which I haven't read the comic book from that, but I trust you. But you, you said the animated movie is better than the comic book. It, it's better did. than the comic. Yeah, I, I did like it more. But I mean, in general, like in, in the comics and in other animated properties, typically Red Hood obviously always has this giant grudge against Joker because, you know, uh, Joker's the man who killed him. And he's always, and so Red Hood is really the most violent, uh, kind of murderous member of the Batman family. And he's always kind of aiming to take out Joker, despite Batman telling him, "I'm like, no, 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 that's not what we do." And he tracks down Joker and Harley, who, after this explosion on this boat, have now kind of forgotten that they are Joker and Harley, and they are just living as these this like happy couple that is a that are farming now. And Red Hood doesn't believe them, and he basically just like starts beating Joker to death, and and Batman has to step in, and then Batman is basically like testing Joker to see if this is true, and once he realizes it is, he's basically has to convince Red Hood like we just we, these these aren't the same people anymore. We have to leave them alone, and and obviously this goes somewhere, but I, I really love that sequence. I thought it was just such a 
such a unique and, and like kind of calming and strange sequence to have in the middle of all this madness, but also one where it's like, wow, they really care about this, these characters in this mythology. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's, it's a really cool. Cause the, the, with, especially with the animation style shifting, um, to that, like more watercolor thing. And yeah, it's, uh, like you said, it's got this, it's got this interesting atmosphere to it. Right. Mm-hmm. It just, joker just calmly farming and you know he doesn't he doesn't know who he is and he's just like no me and my wife are just like happy to be alive it's a it is a it's like a comfortably weird and almost like awkward kind of sequence it's just like a really interesting bit to have in the middle of this movie where uh damien where where robin has a pet monkey who like (laughs) only he can understand <laughs> yeah no i was gonna say we could probably say the biggest deviation once again is is damien who is like this super happy kid yeah. with uh, uh a pet monkey like the the, the speed ra- yeah it's like the, he's the... basically the, the kid the speed racer kid with the monkey that's robin in this well maybe he so, was like a jerk when he got there and over two years being bonded with this monkey made him made him more happy so the monkey thing is really interesting though because if you look at the design of this monkey it's very closely designed after the monkey from journey to the west um which is the the big chinese novel um where this monkey is helping a monk to uh complete it's basically it's the it's the fictional version of the real life story of a chinese monk who traveled to india to get like a whole bunch of buddhist texts in order to have a better version of buddhism in china and when it got tra- you know when it got told and retold over the years it became more and more of a fable and a, and a and a fictionalized thing, and along the way, this monk picked up a, you know, a, a traveling monkey that like can communicate with other shape shifting animals, which you know sort of kind of happens in this. And um, yeah, he's like a companion to the to the pilgrims on their on their pilgrimage. So it's just this kind of an interesting little homage there. It just kind of shows how much that story has kind of penetrated the the and permeated that the pop cult the pop culture of you know eastern uh, eastern aesthetics uh that they bring in this this monkey that very much is designed after what that monkey is supposed to look like well i mean that speaks to like a larger thing where and they and they talk about this in the in the comic-con panel it's on the blu-ray to where um i think they i think the people who made this i think um uh, saki and uh you know the, uh, the 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 writer whose name I forgot now, but I think they they might have been looking at this as their opportunity to, like this might be the only time we're going to get to make like a Japanese Batman, right? and they're fairly clear about how they wanted to bring in kind of every anime element they could think of. They're like, well, let's if we're making like an anime version of Batman, let's just go for it and let's put as much of like what people think of for anime as we can in this. And that's why we have, you know, like I said, they bring in stuff from other, um, you know, kind of popular mythology there. But then we, we get like the giant mechs. Uh, we, we get like a kaiju fight. Uh, there's just there's just so much insane stuff happening in this. And that's what makes it like 
I, I, exhausting, but in the best way possible, because you just feel like the enthusiasm of them saying, wow, we've been given free reign. Let's make sure we hit on every kind of, uh, and like I said, they even, they even do different animation styles and do different, uh, you know, kind of character things. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, uh, they, take in. they did, um, also like they, they did like infuse it with Japanese historical stuff, cultural stuff, mm-hmm. like, uh, like we mentioned the Red Hood having the, the Buddha, Buddhist basket, but like each of the, the villains are styled after one of the real life, um, historical, figures that that were the the actual daimyo the feudal lords in in that time period like um for example like uh deathstroke is uh date masumune is is the guy he's um like i guess based on and and he that that guy in real life had an eye patch and you know that in that time like there were actually these actual feudal lords like competing for for the land space and like each of the villains is has some kind of design quirk or something that is is literally like taken from the actual feudal lords and and speaking of robin he's got like this crazy hair that i forget what it was i just watched like all the special features yesterday but it's it's specifically designed after something I don't know. I think we. I, I think it's time to hear from uh, Matt because Matt has a journey with this movie, and we, I think <laughs> I think we need to we need to get to the bottom of this because so you we're, you hear us all talking and like everything we're saying. This is basically the reaction we all had after watching it, the three of us. Um, but Matt's first watch went a little different. So Matt, do you want to tell us about why you were so cool on this the I, first time you watched it? I okay. So here's the deal. I watched it. And they were they were talking about how crazy and insane it was, and I watched it. I'm like, what? I sometimes I don't know what it is. I don't know if I was in like a weird mood. I I can't explain it to you, but I watched it and like nothing nothing resonated with me. Even even the 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 sequence where Joker and Harley Quinn forget who they are, which is like just everything in the movie felt like an annoyance to me. And I, I just, I don't know what it was. I, I can't put that into words except to say, like, I watched it and I did not get the same kind of vibe. The, the, the insanity was there. And then I'm like, okay. They, they were talking about how awesome this thing is. And I'm like, well, I've watched it in like a month, month and a half. Let me go back and rewatch this right before we do the episode. And I gave it a shot actually uh, last night. I'm like, dude, what was wrong with me? I loved everything about it. The, the sheer insanity of it it exponentially becomes more crazy as you watch it. And there's just a million things that happen throughout the storytelling. Like you can tell where it's going, but like when it happens, you're like, how did they, who would have thought of this? How did this happen? Like it just, as Tom said, it, your, your brain liquefies by it, liquefies by the end of it. And um, I think a big part of it, honestly, initially was the animation. I hate, loathe and despise 3d animation i i just do it's something i've uh, watching anime growing up and stuff i really just prefer the 2d aesthetic but re-watching it i appreciated that they still maximized the medium with all the different character designs the action sequences um the 3d animation a lot of times pulls me out and it, it makes it difficult to to kind of get into the actual 
you know movie or show that I'm watching. But in this case, I think they did a good job u- utilizing it. I, I think it just took me a minute to get there with it. Mm-hmm. So I really think that primarily the the style and the aesthetic of just being in 3D um, is kind of what turned me off initially, and I just never got over it. And then watching it again, I was like, man, I'm just being stupid. This is not only really fun storytelling, but like legitimately batshit crazy. And it's it's definitely well worth your time and watch. And especially with all the the different references and having the you know castles at the end combine and. Um, having Batman Ninja become Batman Ninja at the, the way that it happens. And then you have a lot of the really very typical but common anime tropes of the, the samurai sword fight at the very end with the, with the castle battle on top of the cat. Like, there's just a lot of really fun stuff about it. So, um, <clears throat> They use as much, like, 2D and even 2D aesthetic as I think they they could well yeah and i mean you get that a lot in anime like i guess cg anime in that yes yeah, it's, it's it's kind of designed to look 2d but it's not but i the, it's one of those things where like i'm with matt like i love the more 2d anime stuff like that's the stuff that i grew up watching like the style of things like akira stuff like that and so that's kind of my preference but but there is a way to do it right and I mean, like, compare this to like you know we we talk about the the Godzilla anime trilogy where it it it, it became obvious that they were just like kind of recycling character models, you know, and 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 that's how to do it, like kind of on the cheap, and you know that's that that just isn't what's going on here, you know. I was like, I was, I mean, I was really taken with the animation of this, and part of that was simply because this is something Bird and I have talked a lot about about how in recent years, how lazy the animation has gotten in the, the DC animated movies. Because when they first started, I thought the animation was often quite good. And I feel like there's been a lot of ones recently, especially when they did like their kind of new 52-influenced run of uh, Justice League films, where suddenly the animation just felt so like standard and basic. And uh, and so first, like watching this, it was just like, it was exciting to see a different animation style from a, a, a DC animated film. But then, beyond that... And I'm someone who runs kind of hot and cold with anime in general. And, the, and the, the, I mean, I know that's a weird thing to say because there's, there's a lot of variety within anime. But a lot of typical animation styles, like, sometimes don't do much for me. And I I just think I, I think this is a testament to Okazaki because um, I was never super into Afro Samurai on a storytelling level. But I love that animation style. And then seeing it brought over here, I think there's, like, a fluidity to his work that in terms of that difference between 2D and 3D, I think you have to go 3D because it's, it just adds to the chaotic nature of it. I mean, these action scenes are just incredible, the way it kind of zooms in and out of stuff. And I thought some of the the fights and big battles in this were some of the more exciting sequences I've seen in like a, one of these DC animated things. So yeah, I, I really loved this animation. Well, yeah, and yeah, um, can... I, I was just there's, gonna... there's little things too, though, even sprinkled throughout that like you you kind of have to be paying attention to, to catch the little the little animation kind of twerks or tweaks or little things that they do like the one the one that sticks out specifically just for me because i watch a lot of you know when i watch anime it tends to be dragon ball z or i watch one punch man or you know i've even seen you know so there's the moment when um they call it batman god or god batman in this when the uh the giant batman Goes to attack the giant Joker castle. <laughs> Listen to um, what you're saying. <laughs> you sound like you're tripping right now. 
when when that happens though, Batman and Joker are shown kind of screaming at each at each other, and it's one of those things where it flashes back and forth between like ah 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 ah, ah. and as the as it flashes back more and more and becomes more and more even seizure induce, inducing, the actual animation style changes and it changes from uh 3D into like a 2D and then into like a manga look of these mm-hmm. two characters like kind of shrieking at each other like that and so there's there's little flourishes like that in the animation all throughout that like keep it even within the movie itself from ever feeling stale um yeah it just stylistically i mean i i know with you know the 200 million dollar budgets and cg you you can do anything but like i I don't imagine this looking good in any kind of live action format. You know, I, they 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 really utilize the anime format to pretty much the the fullest extreme. Like, and I think I think a lot of what we got in terms of how it looks and stuff is is what we didn't get like with the Godzilla the anime trilogy. Is like you you can go absolutely insane. <laughs> you know when you're making an anime and to just have things so kind of just boring i mean yeah if you're gonna do a batman anime yeah give me freaking giant monkey things made out of other monkeys and and <laughs> robots and like all these insane camera camera moves like that's that's what i like use the format to like and Turn it up to eleven. You know that. That's yeah. what I want. You know that. That's was what that, they did. There was that meme recently that said, "Like, here's a picture of John Favreau and Dave Filoni writing The Mandalorian, and it was just two kids playing with Star Wars toys." And that was obviously meant to kind of take a dig at like the nostalgia, like like matter of that show. But this is like this is like the actual representation of that, right? You can just tell everyone involved is just having fun. And just be like, okay, what can we do now? Let's like, let's totally lean into it. Because like, what you just said is so true, Bird. Where when you're in animation, you can do anything. And then watching a movie like this makes you realize, as much as you like, might like some of those other DC animated movies, it's like, wow, why are they thinking so small <laughs> compared yeah. to compared to what they're doing here? Yeah. Well, I we had a Godzilla trilogy where he just stood there for three yeah, movies, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I think, he slept one a lot. Thing I want to say too, like I, I think about the 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 animation style this has a very specific flair and lens to it and like i look at uh stuff like my hero academia from studio bones or like mob psycho when you watch those studios and they they and you see the animation you can immediately tell the the the, that style it kind of runs consistent was lacking from the like polygon studios who made the godzilla the the three godzilla films for netflix like who's who's doing the new one who's doing the new Godzilla? Uh, that's actually studio bones and studio orange okay so it's two different but like the action sequences in from Bones are insane. If you watch Mob Psycho, like they're it reminds me actually of that sequence Tom just talked about in this where like Batman and Joker throwing punches and like the world falls apart as they're doing it and like the the entire screen changes colors and it goes from three D to two D and back and like that's kind of what Studio Bones does. So you can use three D animation and do interesting stuff with it. Oftentimes three D is kinda like you see it in shows where they, they use it for like vehicles or buildings. You, you get that a lot, like attack on Titan or like, um, even, even my hero does that where like, it's just the, the, the back, the background itself is 3d, but the characters are 2d. Um, 
again, not my favorite aesthetic, but like in this, it actually works. It just took me a while to like get over my own. I, I just, I really hate 3D animation, but in this, like they do it in such a unique way that they show, hey, it can actually be done well, can be interesting, and you can play with the format by like going into 2D and then back and forth. I think that's a lot of, a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, I feel like I feel like we have to explain, or at least attempt to explain, what happens because everyone's hearing us talk about Monkey Batman, <laughs> God Batman, and we sound we sound insane. Yeah. Um, we, well, yeah, we're totally gonna sound normal once we explain it. <laughs> so let's see how how does it how does it go? First of all, Joker becomes like the Daimyo. He he ends up kind of taking out all the other villains and taking all of their castles and making Voltron, basically. Yeah, Megazord, basically. Yeah. Um, Set to a great rock song when they all combine. Yeah. So, uh-oh, Batman and his team are in trouble. But no, because earlier in the movie, Gorilla Grodd employed a team, an army even, of kamikaze monkeys to attack Batman and Batman has since kind of broken Grodd's control over them. And, uh, plucky Robin has, has em- employed his monkey buddy to gain control of this monkey army. So right when things are looking grim for Batman, a monkey army assembles. We should put one up. They're all little monkeys, all wearing armor. Also, there's, there's, they're summoned by a flute. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yes. They play music, <laughs> and they literally assemble into a giant monkey. Mm-hmm. The giant monkey then proceeds to fight the Joker castle for a bit until Joker unveils a giant flamethrower. As flamethrower Joker Castle is <laughs> flamethrowing giant monkey made of monkeys, a swarm of millions of bats appears. Forms the Batman symbol in the sky. Then this Batman symbol envelops the monkeys and creates a gigantic Batman. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who somehow is actually like color toned to Batman's costume too. <laughs> <laughs> like he has like, yes. like he has like a gray like costume with like black boots and a yellow utility belt. I was just say complete with the yellow belt even. Like, it looks it, a lot like thing. the really old school Batman designs. Yeah. That that like you'd see in the original comics or um I mean this is and this is like not just like if you push this even further to, I mean that's insanity but then during our final fight between Batman and Joker you get a certain sequence where suddenly Joker keeps punching Batman and Batman himself just keeps turning into swarms of bats. <laughs> like and it's just <laughs> never explained. <laughs> is Batman made out of bats in this universe? <laughs> um he says like the line of dialogue is like you can't believe everything you see so it's made it seems like it was an illusion kind of thing mm-hmm. more than yeah um yeah no that that's the crazy it's like every action sequence is something insane that no normal person would think of and then like that's the cl- it, it, it all it all steps from there yeah it all climaxes in that just big you know, uh, like co- kaleidoscope of madness. 
Mm-hmm. It uh, really does do exactly what you always want a movie to do, where consistently you're like, I can't believe they just did that. What are they going to do next? Like, that's really the vibe throughout this entire movie. And then it always does do something next where you're like, oh, my God. Like, and it just <laughs> and it just never stops. And then the, the, the mid-credits scene is is also insane. <laughs> <laughs> is that when, like, it's back in modern yeah, times, but, but Batman's riding around in, like, a... Horse-driven Batmobile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, on his knees drinking tea in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Um, I also really did like that, uh, you know, after the giant bats and monkeys and giant Batman stuff, when Batman and the Joker have their fight on top of the castle, it's like a sword fight. I liked that because, like, usually you don't see the Joker really, like, going toe-to-toe with Batman that way. And, like, actually... That's a great fight. Yeah, and actually having, like, a physical like like fight with him where he's not just getting his ass kicked like yeah it's something i wish they did more often and more because like there's been times in the comics where they kind of sell the idea that he actually can be something of a physical match just because he's so he's so insane right that batman doesn't know how he's gonna like his fighting style doesn't make any sense and sometimes they played it that he can take on batman because you just don't know what he's gonna do next um and i feel like this movie like you said it's it's finally showing him as not necessarily a physical match, but can hold his own just because. Yeah. Well, I, you know, like, they, well, here they're both sword fighting too, which they both seem to just learn in the last two like year or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I like it too. I like seeing them as like actual, like a an actual physical com- confrontation. Yeah, even even doing things that the the uh, animated series used to do things like where Batman earlier in an episode would you know get you would assume like a broken rib or something, right? That would kind of hamstring him a little bit but that would at least kind of give joker sort of it would level Mm -hmm. the playing field a little bit yeah i I wish they would do more of that yeah also we did get that montage earlier where like it's like that traditional montage of batman like learning to be a ninja and they're doing like the on-screen kind of stuff to show like the different levels of training and then one of them is just like how alfred prepares tea Um, and yeah, it's cool that he has to become a ninja basically when like all his gadgets are irrelevant. Um, and so like he has to kind of adapt to the time period he's in. Um, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, um, it's a little bit of a white savior movie though, huh? I sure. <laughs> no, I mean, he does come in and like this finds like yes, we've been waiting for a white man to come and like save us. <laughs> well, well, that that actually does bring me to kind of an interesting thing because like uh, I even thought it myself a little bit watching it was like why take Batman? Well, like why take Batman and all these characters as we know them and time travel back to feudal feudal japan why not just make a feudal japan version of everything like there's gotham by gaslight which you know that just takes place in victorian times and you have a victorian batman and all that like why not do that and just make the japanese version and 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 i i was listening i was watching the you know the the bonus stuff on the on the blu-ray and they they were saying like well we wanted to just 
we wanted to take America's Batman and put it in ja- in Japan. We did, they were like we didn't want to make the Japanese version of these characters. We wanted to take them and put them in the Japanese environment. So that's why they did the time travel thing. And I was like, well, I think I think the bonus of that too is what we just said is like if you if you just tell a story of like a a, a Batman that was originated in feudal Japan, you lose that thematic element we just talked about about seeing Batman lose all his gadgets and everything and have to become you know a, a ninja. Like I think it's uh it's cooler that way. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I, I totally plus, get why they plus did that. Plus, if you did just a feudal Japan Batman, you wouldn't really be able to have the Batmobile driving around, you know, and then and then what is it? So the Batmobile is driving around. It's taking out cannons. Then it it get it. Does it get like blown up, kind of? Yeah, it, it gets becomes, like crushed and becomes the bat wing and flies around. Yeah, it becomes, becomes the, the bat, bat wing, cycle. and then that gets yeah. crushed and it becomes the bat pod or the bat cycle. <laughs> and then, and then that gets its tires blown out and it becomes the bat suit of armor. Also, just a small detail during that part. I love the little bit when uh, Batman is driving up the mountain to get to the castle, and Harley is showing that to Joker with the little Batmobile toy on the uh, the map, which is the guy like just running the scroll up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, and she's got the traditional um, what are those called, Bird? The the the, the puppets. Um, the like a are you thinking of like the Bunraku puppets? Yes, she's yeah. got the traditional Bunraku puppets. Um, did anyone else? Has anyone else watched the dub and the Japanese? Yes, version? I watched the. Uh, so I originally watched the dub uh, a couple months ago, and I watched the subtitle version today. Actually, all right. Anyone else here besides me and Trev? Nope. What? What? Nope. What? What did you guys watch? Just the dub. dub. Okay. Um, well, here's where I'll, where I'll come down on it. Um, it does have a. The script was it was adapted from the Japanese script and and there's a lot of places where it's very different and I would actually I mean usually with anime I don't really care like uh, if it's the dub or the subtitle whatever but in this case I I actually do think a lot of the Japaneseness really gets lost in the dub like really really gets lost it's very americanized um to the point where you know, anime and stuff, they, there's a lot of stretches of silence, like, the dub is way more talking, way more, like, even the humor is more Americanized, you know, the fight with the Joker in the forest, like, it's just the Joker making puns, which, I get it, it's the Joker, but the Japanese dialogue is more him kind of, like, egging Batman on, and, you know, there's a whole conversation about tea that in the American dub, they're talking about repairing the Batmobile, and there really is something to Japanese dialogue that has a, you know, di- or j- at least Japanese dialogue translations that has a very different rhythm than, you know, how how we talk. And and I I, I really do feel like the something is 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 missing in in the dubbed version. Uh, it's an interesting contrast if if you have the Blu-ray watching the dub and then putting the the subtitles on for the Japanese track and just seeing how different they are. Um, but yeah, I I I think that this movie your experience would be enhanced. I think by watching the Japanese track. I don't I don't know where where Trev. Where do you fall on that? I don't know if you're with me. Well, or... it's interesting because I remember you telling me, and I've and I've read other places that these two versions are so different. Um, and I was I was actually talking to Matt and Tom about this before you came on the call. Yeah. But I mean, uh, story I also, wise, it's all the same. Yeah, that's the thing is I was watching it and I was like, well, you can't 
the story is there on the screen. Like you could like watch this movie with the sound off and you know the story. Um, so you can't change it too much. I mean, I agree that we, like you said, it's just, it's fairly just cultural stuff in the dialogue. Um, to me, I don't know that I, I agree as much that I don't think it's like a so drastically different that it matters that much. To be fair, I have about two months in between my viewings. The one thing that I'll say, and this, and I'm I, like you, I tend to prefer dubs um, for anime, just because I mean I'm, you know, I, maybe I'm lazy or something. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> but like uh, actually, I've always said like anime and kaiju are like the two kind of things where I I tend to actually usually go with dubs and, and kung fu, right? Martial oh yeah, arts yeah, kung fu, yeah. yeah, kung fu too. Um, and this one, though, I will say, I really did not enjoy. If if there's like a weak point to me in the in my first viewing of it, and I don't know how if you, if anyone else felt this way, I really didn't like Tony Hale's voice performance as the I Joker. Didn't, I I I the, I I'm there with you. I wasn't sure yeah. where anyone else was gonna fall on that, and like I I, I Tony Hale, I like him like as Doctor Psycho yeah, and too, Harley yeah. Quinn, but yeah, his Joker is, is was very grating to me. It's almost like it's a weird thing to say about a character like the joker but it's like he's laying it on way too thick and, and, yeah it is and, a thing like, where it, you he's trying the too joker, hard to be mark hamill and he's yeah that's yeah. the thing is i know I, you yeah, can't, i thought I know it was like a bad mark hamill impersonation it is yeah and that's the problem i think like a lot of people just default to that now and it's and i get that you can't get mark hamill every time but i was watching this just thinking like oh man if only this could have been conroy and hale this would be like so much or i sorry conroy and uh, hamill this would be so much better but but yeah, yeah, Tony Hale was really annoying to me. Yeah. No, I mean, you're going to get the same movie either way, but it, I feel like if I'm going to, with something as American as Batman, if I'm going to be like, I want to watch this crazy Japanese version that really does dive into, like, Japanese history and culture, like, I'm going to go with the Japanese dialogue that has that Japanese rhythm and and has that Japanese structure to it rather than, you know, the American script, which is just very you know it it's it's too american to me to be in something as japanese as this i guess mm. is what i'm saying and i i don't know i i i mean i would definitely encourage tom and matt to take a look at the japanese uh uh track anyway yeah um, i think that's the great thing about having the blu-rays like basically every time you watch it you can you can alternate you know yeah so. and and it's and, and like i said i mean try it just experiment with it if you have the disc like put the english on with the <laughs> japanese translation subtitles and you'll see what i mean but but yeah j- japanese dialogue it is different and you know the at least that even the translations you know are have a different rhythm to them and and yeah this this feels very americanized and like i say like yeah i'm i am not down with that joker voice i mean i do know in the subtitle <laughs> version we get the we get a classic uh, line from robin when uh, all the monkeys show up and he says the power of monkeys realize its strength <laughs> um we do have some godzilla alum in the voice cast uh batman is played by Koichi Yamadera, who uh, had a small role as a TV producer in GMK. And then uh, Wataru Takagi as the Joker and Rei Kugamiya are both voice voice actors in the upcoming Godzilla Singular Point anime. And she played Harley, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Joker and Harley are in the (laughs) Godzilla anime, but... Um, 
as far as the American voice cast goes, though, I, I really liked uh, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn. I mean, well, yeah, she, yeah I mean, she's always good. Um, yeah. uh, Roger Craig Smith, the Batman guy, I mean, he's fine. <clears throat> um, and uh, Tom Kenny, he's another big voice actor as the Penguin. SpongeBob. Yeah, SpongeBob is the Penguin. Um, doing a, a less obvious job than uh, uh, Master Shake and as the Penguin in, <laughs> in Batman Unlimited. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool too that in the uh, the American voice cast, uh, Red Robin is actually voiced by Will Friedel, who is uh, Terry in uh, Batman Beyond. Could you imagine if if Tom Kenny used his SpongeBob voice for Penguin? <laughs> Wow, and like, so in this episode, we'd get Master Shake Penguin and SpongeBob Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that they don't uh, they don't dub Bane's dialogue at all in the. Yeah, he's just like gone. He's like gone full. Uh, he's just gone full Japanese. <laughs> no matter which version you watch, he really took to the culture in a way nobody else did. He yeah, he got really fat and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bane. Bane went method for <laughs> for Batman Ninja. <laughs> Did you know there is going to be a Batman Ninja stage show what? in Japan? Is going to be? It was scheduled to happen last year, but now because of coronavirus, it has been delayed until October of this year. So the 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 good people of Japan, because of COVID. They have been deprived of Batman Ninja stage show. God I mean, I really ho- damn. I really hope when that happens, it gets filmed and we get to see it on YouTube or something. Because <laughs> I need to know what that's like. I will, This is like one of the first times where, like, um, you know, after watching this, like, I instantly hopped online and I was like, "Oh man, are there any like toys and stuff for this?" Because some of the designs are so cool. Um, I only really kind of found like very. They, they did some. They did statues of Batman and Joker. I'm surprised they didn't do a whole statue line of like everybody, since they re, they gave everyone kind of you know new redesigns. But uh, not as much merchandise as I would have expected. And they're expensive too. Yeah. Yeah, a little out of my price range. Uh, there's a Catwoman. Oh, is there? Okay. But again, you got you got eighty bucks to slap down. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to slap down 80 bucks on a collectible waifu Catwoman <laughs> statue? Yeah, how do I With explain a... that to women who come over? Like, well, just don't worry about that. <laughs> With a bell around her neck? <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, that's Batman Ninja, I guess... I don't know. We we the, we've covered a lot of ground here. I don't know if we're ready to to give our uh, our ratings here. Or... Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. So Jesus, this is like the opposite problem of <laughs> Batman Unlimited, where it's like there's too many good rating scales you could pick. But how many giant monkeys made out of smaller monkeys? that turn into giant Batmans made out of small bats to fight uh, a giant Joker castle Voltron robot. Do you give this out of five? I'll, I'll say, I'll go first. Um, 
I really, really, really like this. And we just spent however long talking about how good it is. But it's it's far from perfect. You know, it's a little rushed in its pacing. It's only 85 minutes. It would be nice to maybe spend a little more time with some of the more calmer elements. Um, because those just have such a unique atmosphere and they're a little bit enthralling. And, you know, just being able to let it breathe a little bit more might make the insanity feel even more insane. Um, on top of that, a few of these villains, like aside from aside from Joker, Harley, Catwoman, and Grodd, the villains, and then aside from the the on the hero side, I'd say aside from Red Hood, Robin, and Batman, the heroes, everyone else is just kind of there as like kind of set dressing. Um, yeah. You know, like Deathstroke, I. I, I barely remember that he was in this poison ivy kind of the same thing i barely remember that she's even here um you know the the bane cameo is fun but like even penguin i i don't recall as much as two faces is somewhat there and minor but like yeah there's there's quite a few characters are just kind of like there's so many characters and the movie is is given such a short amount of time that some of these characters get a little bit short shrifted um but still, that's like, you know, it's not like it, it detracts it from it huge or anything. It's just, you know, you're, you're keeping yourself from saying it's perfect or anything. I'm at a four out of five. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and echo. I, I think Tom's criticism are, are, are dead on. Like, there's there's some characters that are there set dressing and they don't, they play a part, but you don't get to see them do a whole ton. Um, my only other minor thing is like and this is very common i think in in <laughs> in animated times but there's some pieces uh, during the there's some times in the movie where like you just kind of get batman stoically giving us exposition and his inner monologue and i don't know for me like it's fine but i, I think there's better ways to handle that that's inner mo- you mean like story. narration like he's just like there's that when he's talking about how he, he's, he's basically like oh, who am i without my technology i just think that that moment being kind of pivotal just kind of plays more like eh, I, I thought they could have done that a little better because there's people walking up behind him during that sequence but um, I think for me the the thing that won me over the second round was just the beauty of the animation the fact that it exponentially grows kind of in, in scope and um, it's a lot of fun so I'm also at a 4 out of 5 as opposed to being like I think I gave it a 2.5 the first time what was I thinking I don't I honestly don't know yeah, I'll go next, and I it's I I think we're all like really on the closest similar page here because I, I agree with the criticisms as well. Um, especially for me, the thing about there needing to be slower moments. Um, I actually feel like the character that suffers from that a little bit is Catwoman. I think in terms of what they ask her to do in the storyline with one betrayal and then another, I think if we could have spent a little bit more time with her as a character, that plot would play out a little bit better. Especially some more moments with her and and Bruce maybe, um, or, and especially and then maybe some more sequences with her and Grodd even, but. Um, that's true, and then and what you said too about the other villains not you know getting to do much um, is definitely true. So um, at the same time, though, yes, it's it's just so much fun. It's such a blast. It's just so un it's so unlike any other Batman thing you've ever seen. And for this whole line of DC animated films, which like I said, I've liked quite a few of them. I'd say this is like in the real top upper echelon of these. It's probably in like my it's probably in my top five of, of all of those I've seen. And if you know how many there are, that's that's saying something. So I'm I'm at a four as well. I think people should definitely check this out. Yeah, uh, definitely on the same page with you guys. Uh 
Yeah, I I def I would have liked to see a little bit more with some of the other villains. I think um like Poison Ivy especially, you could probably do some crazy stuff in, in with anime, you know, and you know, we get a little bit of that, but um but yeah, I, I mean, I I have the same little kind of I guess nitpicks that that these guys already went over. Um so but yeah, I mean, I'm coming in at a 4. I mean, this is this is an, an a prime example of what's cool about that uh that line of dc animated movies and just just the idea of like doing the elseworlds things where it's like you just take the characters do this one-off thing with them and get as wild or different as you want and um i mean i i really wish there were more franchises or more studios that that did things like that um this is a this is a prime example. Bert, Bert, you and I talked about this a little bit the other day. Um, this is a prime example of the main thing that I really like about DC as a whole, and and I think that even extends a little bit back to the Batman Unlimited discussion. Is they're not unwilling or afraid to have all of this different, you might even say contradictory stuff going at the same time, right? You got Batman Ninja, which, you know, we've talked about. You got the Unlimited, which we've talked about. And then you've got, like, also the the DC Superhero Girls. You've got also the Harley Quinn animated show. The the On the movie side of things, you know, you've got Joker, which is this hard R-rated thing. And you've also got Shazam, which is, which is a little more, you know, bubblegum-friendly, you know, let's all get a family movie night type of thing. So uh, that's that's like the main thing about DC as a whole that I that I actually really like is it never feels s- sterile it never feels stale and they they do try to try and get like something for everyone and I I think where they probably succeed the most is like all right let's make something for for kids under the age of 12 and all right let's make something for like people who are calling for like hardcore insanity they they definitely struggle with like let's just hit like a a nice popcorn movie for the eighteen to forty five demographic but like I I really like that that you know not everything that's DC and that's in this DC universe is is the same and and don't get me wrong I you know just to draw draw the obvious quick comparison I on the flip side, I actually do kind of like that Marvel has that because it, there's a consistent quality and a consistent vision and you never get a situation where you like an individual movie, but then the sequels or the tie-ins suck balls and, and you, you, you know, like you have to watch Aquaman while ignoring the nods they make to Justice League in it and stuff like that. Well, Wonder but, Woman like, and Wonder Woman 84, you know. Yeah. So like, Yes, it's you know it it obviously leads to some problems and some inconsistency in quality, but like I appreciate the attempt at the less homogenized. Well, yeah, they they do way less of that one size fits all kind of thing that I think every studio and every every content creator does now. And feeding off of what you both just said, um, so I was just thinking because like Bird was saying, he wishes more um, you know properties or companies would be willing to do this. Um, so if I can briefly throw a plug at my other podcast again, um, uh, Joe and I in our most recent episode of Days of Future podcast, we just reviewed uh, from 2011 the Wolverine anime um, that Marvel Studios did, 
And one of the things I said in that episode, I actually compared it to Batman Ninja negatively because I said the problem with like the, the Marvel anime thing was that they, they basically just had this animation studio work with Marvel Entertainment or work with Marvel Studios. I said, well, let's take some characters and have them do adventures in Japan. But then beyond that, they didn't really put any kind of like Japanese, like, you know, um, cultural stuff into it or really let them like go, you know, as outrageous with the anime tropes and stylings. It's just basically here's a standard kind of Marvel story set in Japan with our characters. And I think that that's kind of the case in general, like what, what Tom was just alluding to and, and Bird a little bit too. DC has always taken bigger risks with that. And and they also have the benefit, and maybe this is because they take the risks, but as obviously Marvel's on top right now, right, in terms of pop culture. But they'll never have what DC has with Batman and Superman. Those two characters are just so iconic that they've become a part of mythology and pop culture mythology in a way that no Marvel character has to where you can consistently offer these like very different, very out-of-continuity versions of them. I mean, there's a reason with Batman why you have Gotham by Gaslight and so many like Elseworlds stories where Batman's a vampire and you can do that stuff and, and people know these characters enough that they'll accept any new version of it. You know, everybody knows the Batman rogues gallery, so you can always just put them in a new continuity. We compare that to with a, a character like Spider-Man where anytime they do Spider-Man, they still basically set it inside the same continuity. You know, if it, maybe once in a while they'll do a strange offset thing like, like Spider-Man noir, but it, not to the level DC can with those two characters. Um, I know that's a tangent, but that, this is just a better, like another example of that, uh, the, the unique position they're in. I think all of that speaks to like what you, being able to do something different with both a different medium and giving the freedom, that's kind of what I hope the upcoming Godzilla anime does because we did not get that the first time around. And like, just a, a plug for this movie, for our audience, like this is right up, if you listen to our podcast, you should watch this movie. If, if you like Sentai, you're going to get the, the robots combining, you're going to have mechs, you're going to have giant things punching each other. Plus, I mean, they're just, it, it's a lot of fun. And if you listen to our show, like this is made for you. There are things in here that you should be looking forward to. Um, check it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a, a good note to go out on. Um, all right, you guys, you guys, good with Batman? Yeah, man. With Batman. All right. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.